Hi, everyone. Welcome to Nom Watch Review, part of Nom Talk Network. On the show, we reviewed the latest film drops or throwbacks while celebrating a milestone while eating and drinking our favorite movie, Snacks and Foods. Um, now, snacks and foods, snacks and drinks, my bad. <laughs> I'm your host, Eric Ramirez, and right now I am enjoying a nice uh, holiday twisted tea. It's a uh, bomb pop flavor, which actually tastes like a bomb pop. It's dangerous. And then I, the new love of my life is churro Kit Kats. These things are amazing, and they kind of taste like the, kit, uh, the churros from Disneyland, which is why I'm loving them so much. Um, but... That's what I'm snacking and drinking on, but I am so excited to introduce our guests today. Uh, Kyle, Jen, and Tony, thank you for being here. Um, we'll start with you, Tony. What are you uh, drinking and snacking on today? I'm drinking on some like five hour old tea. Um, that's just how my ADHD gets down sometimes. Um, I've texted my boyfriend to bring me another glass of water. So then I'll also have some water to hydrate myself. It's not uh, incredibly exciting over here. so. Back to you, Eric. <laughs> good, good. I mean, water, hydration. I mean, I'm pretty sure all of us got a lot more sun than we wanted to if we were going out to the cities and everything yesterday. So oh, yeah, definitely water, water. Jen, speaking of water and doing outside activities yesterday, what are you snacking and drinking on? <laughs> well, I have two liters of water here that I am bound to drink throughout this whole hour. But I also am enjoying a mango cart because it was the closest thing I had to a blonde. And then I have some um, beef and cabbage stir fry with rice. Ooh, that's delicious. It's not related to anything, but it was just, it was food. It's food. It's food. My roommate is <laughs> in stew right now, which is not related to the movie at all, but I'm excited. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Kyle, uh, thank you for being here. What are you uh, drinking and snacking on tonight? So I've got my, um, my, my usual soda, but in this case, it's Rocky, and I don't think people can see it well, but it's Rocky the Disney fried uh, vanilla smelling cu uh, cupcake topper for my straw because I'm trying to drink more things out of a straw, water, and then a shawarmitsa. And it is a pizza shawarma. It is spicy Italian sausage, pepperoni, mozzarella cheese, and pepperoni oh, with a little bit huh. of marinara. I'm going to have to find and try a shawarmitsa. Like, that sounds very interesting. Closest it's, I can do. Closest good. I get to here is a uh, birria pizza. So if you haven't tried one of those, try one of those. They're delicious. Um, but thank you guys for being here today. Uh, today we are talking about the 1953 Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which is celebrating 70 years. It's crazy that it's that old already. Um, but I'm excited to uh, talk about it. But before we get started and dive into this, I do want to let you guys know that we are still fundraising for the Trevor Project, which is a nonprofit organization focused on suicide prevention efforts among, among the LGBTQIA or Legibitiqua, if any of you out there have heard that little wonderful phrase, which I love. Um, but I'm excited to dive into this with you guys because it is so old, times have changed, and things that may have been in the movie have definitely changed with all of us now, um, but I want to get you guys' um, when you guys like first saw this, how old were you? What did you think about it? Uh, for me, I saw it when I was really young. Uh, I have a lot of family members that are in love with Marilyn Monroe, so I definitely saw this when I was long, young, just like Some Like It Hot, and so it's always just been a staple in my movie category since I was probably like four or five. Um, remember just sitting down watching it on TV when it came on to like all those specials and absolutely loved it. But Jen, where, when did you first see this movie and what were your thoughts about it? Well, I couldn't tell you what year it was. It would have been on like 
Turner Classic Movies or one of those types of channels. And I was probably up with a cranky baby and it was the middle of the night and I put that on and just rocked them and watched it. Um, so my memories of it would be very fuzzy and exhausted new mom memories, but um, I did watch it again today. Okay. So um, the, the colors, I'm like, was, did I see it this vibrant <laughs> or was I just tired? So it's, it's, the colors were amazing. Of course, the clothes. I am a sucker for vintage clothes. You can't tell by looking at me right now because I am trashed. But um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's endearing. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely was made in a different time. There was some stuff where I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> we're going to say that, are we? So, uh, okay. but yeah, didn't, didn't hold up in some ways, but it, it, it is still very much a classic. So. Yes, yes, yes. No, I agree with you. And we'll get into some of those more uncouth things yeah. that have mm. happened. Uh, Tony, when do you remember watching this movie or have you watched it throughout the years and everything? Uh, first time was definitely in high school. Um, I went through my Marilyn Monroe phase uh, in high school. Um, to this day, my favorite movie is Some Like It Hot, uh, which is the classic that she does with uh, Jack Lemmon and uh, Tony Curtis. Um, but I remember getting like this sort of like, I can't remember. It was one of those like six movie box sets. Um, I don't remember the exact number, but it was like, uh, some like it hot, uh, gentlemen prefer blondes, how to marry millionaire, seven year itch, like all of like her big, you know, no business, like show business. Um, so like all of like her biggest, most famous movies all like into this one box set, um, and yeah, this one took me a while to get to, and I don't understand why. Um, but when I finally watched it, I just was like, oh, I finally understood where all these like pop culture references that, you know, have definitely been ripped off. <laughs> like all these things that like I was like receiving through osmosis, either through other movies or like Saturday morning cartoons. And I just finally understood a good chunk of it. And I finally understood like, oh, this is one of those movies that like everybody saw. And they were so, and it was so famous that everybody decided to do their own version of it or rip it off or reference it in some way. Um, I definitely watched it over the years. Uh, I actually watched it just a few weeks ago. Uh, Cinespia also did a, uh, a Hollywood Forever, one of their uh, first uh, summer movie showings back in uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery was Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And it was such an amazing time. Um, I always love when the old movies are playing at Cinesbia because it's just like a, it's like an older crowd. It's definitely the crowd that, you know, they enjoy retro fashion. The DJ was on point, you know, just sort of like doing these really amazing remixes of, you know, older 40s and 50s show tunes. And, uh, you know, so it was just, yeah, a fantastic time, fantastic crowd. And then when this came up uh, to talk about it again, like I had to pounce on it. So oh yeah no i was right there with you when this came up to talk about it i was like i'm doing that one for sure uh <laughs> gentlemen prefer blondes if it was something like a hot i would have been there even quicker <laughs> um but uh kyle what were your thoughts about this movie like when did you see it do you remember watching it when you were younger and everything so i wasn't one of the people that watched it when i was younger necessarily but um i did pick up on it through all the pop culture references and i was asking questions of my mother ironically after the references in um Birds of Prey, where Harley Quinn duplicates the uh, the iconic, um, you know, diamonds are a girl's best friend uh, saw um, number. 
Absolutely. So this was, but this was officially, I, I will be, I, while I am, I'll, I'll be the new player here because I have not seen some like it hot and I haven't seen any other Marilyn Monroe films. This is my first introduction to Marilyn um, beyond the world of unfortunately uh, dramatic Hollywood, old Hollywood gravitas and uh strange sequined purses that you'd find on, you know, for sale in places with Marilyn's image on them. So this is my first introduction to her truly as an actress, which is the motivation behind my popcorn reading because she's a genuinely special talent that I never really realized. So um, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun for what it is. And, um, you know, there's definitely some things that I don't see as holding up, but to me, there were some things that really, that struck me as very, um, as someone who grew up with Turner Classic Movies and with a mother and a grandmother and family who were, you know, like most of us just wanted to watch all the classics. Um, there were some things that struck me as very interesting in juxtaposition with this. So yeah, okay. I enjoyed it. Okay, good. Well, welcome to the age of Marilyn. Definitely watch some of her other ones because she is she is a literal star. Like, if you watch her on screen, she in everything she is, she is a star. Um, I want to jump in the chat really quick because the chat's going off already. Um, Q Ball, hi Q, welcome. Nice to see you again. Um, he says, I watched the movie. I watched the movie in high school during homeroom first hour on movie day and thought it was good, but it was a little slow here and there, and the jokes were so over my head. But I agree, it is no doubt a classic movie. Marilyn Monroe is very iconic in this movie which I definitely agree and agree with you, Q-Ball. Um, there's something about her power and uh, Jane Russell in this movie and their dynamic back and forth that just makes this movie what it is. Um, and before we start like breaking down like the story and everything like that, I wanna jump into popcorn ratings. I gave it a 4.5 out of five popcorns because I still love it and everything about it, but like there's little things in the movie, like Q-Ball said the pacing in some parts are a little slow. Definitely how, like, it's a movie celebrating women or whatever, but it's really not. They're making us, like, seem, like, stupid and stuff like that. So all the things that updated now to our age definitely need to be updated. But for the time that it came out, 1953, love it. Wish things, we could change it. Wouldn't change anything about it. But that's what I have to give it for now because that was 70 years ago. Um, Kyle, we'll start with you. What, what, what was your popcorn rating and why? So... I said five, and um, I think it's because I, I said it as a a specimen of a classic film. This is this had all the hallmarks of what you would think when you think of a classic movie: very bright, technicolor, beautiful starlets, leading men who you know were give, grabbing the screen, even though they didn't necessarily command a performance. You definitely could watch this and say that Jane Russell and Marilyn Monroe were the stars. They looked at it, and their love interests were pretty gosh darn bland. Um, shall we say and so i i picked it i i said five because it's 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 a specimen of what you would think a classic movie would look like there's some things that don't hold up for sure um and but it's like those it, to me i would put one of those warnings up like what they do for the old looney tunes cartoons where it's like this film is a product of its time and you know you go in with a grain of salt in regards to it being a product of its time because it is a specimen of the kind of stuff that hollywood would you know produce but there's some stuff in it that I also found pretty, I don't want to say progressive, but I do want to say interesting for the time period. And it's just little things like the, there's decisions in the story that, you know, we'll go into that I found really 
um, uh, interesting knowing what I know about classic Hollywood, but um, I'm really looking forward to hearing everybody's take. So that's why I said five. It's a specimen. If I were to take this into class, teaching about classic film, I would be like, this is the what a classical film would look like. Let's break it down and let's dissect it. You know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Once we get into the story, I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on the different things and everything like that. Um, Tony, or, uh, actually, we'll go with you, Jen. Jen, what was your popcorn rating and why? I also gave it a 4.5. Um, I agree with what you said. And it was it was not always. Sometimes they wrote Marilyn quite smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes I was like, oh, honey. <laughs> they just wrote her so dumb. And mm-hmm. they did, I mean... We could say we could do two hours on the disservice that Hollywood in general did to Marilyn Monroe in her life, but that's not what we're talking about. So, <laughs> um, you know, Jane Russell's character was fairly consistent throughout the whole movie. She knew what she wanted. She was pretty smart. She came across as pretty smart, and Marilyn just she always seemed to have to kind of pull Marilyn back down to the ground. But then Marilyn had these great ideas throughout the movie and, and, and these little plans. Um, there was some, some pretty borderline creepy things with the little kid. <laughs> eh, we'll get to that for sure. I'm, I was just like, when he walked up to the table, I was like, oh no, no, no. Um, but I will say for as much as movies back then objectified women, we got a whole lot of men objectified in this movie. It was very evenly done. <laughs> and I was not, I was not upset. No, um, I just, yeah, I just, I enjoyed it. Like I could turn my brain off and just enjoy the pageantry and the colors and the singing. And it was just a classic Hollywood movie musical, just what you wanted from it, right? You didn't have to think too hard about it. And except I did leave the room at a point and I came back and I was like, why is Jane Russell blonde? What's happening? <laughs> so I did confuse myself for a moment. So, um, no, I just, yeah, 4.5. It's, it's a solid, you want a classic movie on a rainy day, throw this on and you're going to have some sunshine in your living room. So. Yep. Yep. It does bring the colors, uh, Technicolor at the time, like, just started. <laughs> so yeah, definitely the colors. Um, Tony, what was your popcorn rating and why? Uh, my popcorn rating is four out of five. Uh, I think really the only, um, strikes that I can, uh, give against it uh, outside of, you know, the things that are obviously, you know, products of its time. Um, the plot is pretty thin. Um, there's a song and dance number. They get on a boat. There's more song and dance numbers. Uh, they get off the boat. There's more song and dance numbers. Uh, they inevitably, uh, one of them ends up, uh, in a court scene and, uh, there's more song and dance numbers. Um, so, I mean, it's, it, there's, there's a lot, (laughs) it's one of those movies where it's like, okay, like this is not, or I'm not here for a plot. Let's all just be honest about it. Um, I'm here for all the glamor and all the technicolor pizzazz that it can give me. Um, I am here for song and dance numbers. I'm here for beautiful people and beautiful clothes and beautiful settings. Like that's exactly what I'm here for. Um, And I totally agree with Kyle about, it's one of those movies that's just like a perfect example of this like specific genre of film. And it's funny because, one of Marilyn's previous films, like one of her like first major roles was all about Eve. 
mm-hmm. uh, which is the movie I always point to whenever, you know, if, if somebody was like, well, what's like the quintessential black and white old Hollywood movie, you know, the whole Hollywood drama that I can watch. I'm like, that's all about Eve, beautiful people saying very like dramatic and witty things and gorgeous clothes. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then literally that was only three years prior from this film and to see the shift from a black and white drama to a technicolor comedy, um, this musical comedy, um, it's incredible how different, you know, everything looks, everything feels, um, how crisp everything is. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of things that I enjoy about this movie uh, to this day, while there are definitely things where I'm just like, all right, sure, we would not do that now ever again however there's so many things that like we would definitely do and that we now consider to be incredibly progressive uh Mm -hmm. marilyn monroe even though she is written in some scenes to be very ditzy she's also very practical um Mm -hmm. and her monologue about you know when she's uh actually having her big confrontation scene you know at the end of the third act uh with you know her fiance's father that's been making the rounds on tiktok because everyone's like, she's making a lot of sense for a supposed gold digger. Um, and, you know, there's there's just a lot of, and then again, there were like those fantastic scenes from, you know, there's that walkthrough scene where they're both walking through the dining room and they're both like, just like looking incredible and amazing and just turning heads. That's also been making their rounds on social media as just sort of like, man, how gorgeous like movies used to be and how amazingly amazing that movie stars used to be. Um, yeah. So I, I, I love it for so many reasons and yeah, but I also have to just kind of like be aware of the fact that I am 100% dazzled by all the razzle dazzle. But if I were to actually try to objectively look at this, like, yeah, there's not much happening. There's yeah. just not much happening. Oh yeah. No. And I, I agree with you, especially in this time when they started getting into Technicolor and everything, it was just like, look, shiny beautiful look at the clothes and costumes but there's actually not much story here guys and you're like okay i'll just take it no one cares <laughs> no one no, especially not, nobody cares um but we are going to break into what they say is the storyline of it because it does break down what they do um but the story is uh laura lee lee who's marilyn monroe as a beautiful showgirl engaged to be married to the wealthy gus esmond tommy noonan much to his disapproval of Gus, Gus's rich father, Edmund Sr., who thinks that Lorelai is just after his money. When Lorelai goes on a cruise accompanied by her best friend, Dorothy Shaw, which is Jane Russell, Edmund Sr. hires Ernie Malone, Elliot Reed, as a private detective to follow her and report any questionable behavior that would disqualify her from marriage. So this whole plot of this movie is there two women on a boat. A detective is trying to catch Marilyn Monroe doing something shysty and just gold diggy the whole entire time um there's a lot of song and dance numbers there's a song in the pool there's a song when they get on the boat there's plenty of dance and song numbers we also meet piggy who is a uh diamond what's called uh has a diamond mine owns a diamond mine played by charles coburn um and we meet uh Henry uh, Spatterfell, uh, which is George Winslow, who plays a little boy who she thinks is a millionaire, which he does have money, but he's also like seven. So we meet him and shenanigans get on the boat. They end up catching, Mr. Malone ends up catching Marilyn's character, Lorelai Lee, with Piggy, uh, pretending to be snakes and gets a photo and everything. Get off the boat. She gets dumped by her fiance, which is uh, Esmond. 
and her and Dorothy end up like pretty much penniless in Paris uh, trying to figure it out. There's also a part of the story where she apparently steals a tiara and the cops are after her. Uh, and then at the end of the movie, they end up going to court with this tiara fiasco, but turns out Piggy actually took the tiara back from her and was just trying to uh, commit insurance fraud pretty much. Uh, everybody gets away with it. She marries her millionaire. Uh, Dorothy marries the private eye detective and everybody lives a long, happy life. Um, to break it down, without going too detailed into it uh kyle what are your thoughts on this storyline like i know you said you had a couple of issues and everything like that what are your thoughts on this overall story so going into it i feel like there were things there, there there's this overall attitude as somebody who you know i think if you live it or there's there's this overall attitude if you're any aware of the history of film that <clears throat> sometimes there's people and they're writing something and it's like you almost had it you almost had a, a progressive modern idea in this era. You almost had it. It's like this big you tried star in the sky. And that's to me what this was because I loved the relationship between Dorothy and Lorelai and the book that it's based on because it is based on a book is apparently like really raunchy jazz age. And it really dealt with the empowering uh, relationship between two women and some of the shenanigans that they get up to are genuinely you know Thelma and Louise level you know like girl power and it's I I, draw, I I think that yes they did write them frivolous and silly but I would argue that they much like what Tony said I agree with Tony they're they're making it's making the rounds on TikTok because there is something to be said for the power of femininity and using that for on you know masculine individuals and that's what this whole thing was about is that these are two women they know they're gorgeous they know that they're going to be able to get their way out of anything and there were so many moments where that happened and then there were so many ditzy things that happened afterwards <laughs> so many things that was just like you missed you missed the mark you tried you almost had something that would have been like still holding up till today but it just it didn't nail it um, but I loved the relationship between the two of them because there really were some moments where it was just very progressive. Um, uh -huh. The men did not stand out to me at all. Beyond the scene, there's a scene in the um, in the steam room, and I'm sure everybody else is going to talk about this, but the scene in the steam room where we had the Olympic athlete team, because they, they go on the boat, there's all these Olympic athletes, and the Olympic athlete team is just demonstrating their physical prowess. And watching that, I was just like, <laughs> I was just watching it. And I was just like, you know, th this is pretty, this is pretty interesting because in movies of this time period in the forties, this would all be women doing this. This would be women flipping upside down and, and wiggling around and the guy would be dancing amidst all these beautiful women. But instead you have Dorothy Shaw, you have Jane Russell, who's moving amongst these men who are definitely physical specimens. And I was really struck by that juxtaposition. And for me, that's that's what defines it is that this is a classic example of something that you can break down and you can kind of examine. Um, but they had some really solid ideas. They just didn't, didn't run with them. It was like, oh, brain blast. And then nothing. <laughs> um, but I, I, I really love, I, I, I liked big pieces of the story and the color and everything else with it. So, yeah. Okay. Okay, cool, cool. Um, 
I am going to jump to the chat really quickly before I get to you, Jen and Tony. Um, Q says he gives it a 4.5 as well because the pacing is a little slow here and there, but the vibe that Marilyn gave in this film is very girl next door mixed with sensual beauty and grace. Um, so many iconic moments and lights in this movie, but also Q has redeemed Hydrate. So cheers, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much, Q. And yes, no. <laughs> thank you. We definitely yes. need to hydrate, like I just said. But um, yes. Jen, what are your thoughts on this story, like overall? Like, do you have any issues with it? Like, what's your favorite part? All of that. I liked Jane Russell's character, but there was one point where I'm like, "Lady, you're going to be living." I have a friend that always says, well, that's going to happen behind the Cheesecake Factory one day. And I, you know, meet me behind the Cheesecake Factory. And I, all I could think of was, Jane, you're going to be living behind the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you, you say you don't care about money, but you're, it, then you go to Paris and you buy everything. <laughs> so I'm all, which is it? No, I think she was a good balance for Lorelai. They balanced each other out to a point, but they were both way extreme. Like there was no, <laughs> they were like this. There wasn't any middle ground with those two. Um, I feel like Lorelai was real smart, but super gullible. Like the whole pig with the goat or the snake with the pig, whatever that was, where Piggy was like, I'm going to show you how the snake would kill this hand. I was like, wait, what, what happened here? Come on, Lorelai. Um, and the wife just putting up with it. That man would have been off the side of the boat. Just off the side of the boat. Come on. Oh. Um, but, you know, to Kyle's point, yeah, to have all these guys working out. And then there's Jane Russell pretty much fully dressed, walking through the middle of them. A few years before would have been 100% flipped around. And... I mean, it would have been Ethel Merman and, and all the mermaids in the water in their little skimpy bathing, well, skimpy for that time, bathing suits, not skimpy for now, but um, the story was very thin. It moved, in spite of the pacing, the story moved along a lot faster than any of those events would have actually moved along. Though, it, I mean, they were crossing to France, so it was a very long cruise. It, and then she gets, you know, it was just all a little absurd but I don't think it was meant to be a deep thinking piece. It was just meant to be fluffy. And cause the title even gentlemen prefer blondes had nothing to do with anything in the movie. You know, I mean, she, the brunette got a guy. There was not, it wasn't like everybody was passing by her to go for Marilyn. Um, yeah, it just, I, I had to keep reminding myself, stop thinking about what the title has to do with the movie because it has nothing to do with the movie. Because I always try to, you know, every nowadays people try to get so deep with what they name a movie and how does it tie into something. And this was absolutely doesn't tie into anything at all. Maybe it's the title of the book it's based on. But um, yeah, it was very fluffy. I had to turn off my brain a little bit and just go with the flow. I will say cafes in France. Well, I mean, I I was in France in 2005, so it's been a while. They are still the same. You sit facing out away. So they've been the same apparently for 70 years. Um, I didn't have an audience while we sat and sang at our tables or anything like that, but um, you know, no, 
impromptu cabaret broke out in my cafe when I was there, sadly, it would have been fun. Um, no, I think it was just a, one little fluffy vignette after another that was sort of tied together by this, hey, catch this girl doing something bad so she can't marry my son and get my money plot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't there for the story. I was there for the singing and Marilyn and Jane in beautiful clothes. So I loved it. <laughs> that's all I needed. I mean, that's all any of us could ask for, but like, yeah. like you gentlemen prefer blondes. Doesn't really have to do with the blonde. Like yeah. there's a quote from Marilyn where they told her like she wasn't the lead of the movie. And she's just like, Well, at least I'm still the blonde. Like <laughs> just going with it, because that's what it was. Especially um N53. She was making so many movies at that time, she didn't care. She didn't even know where she was. Right. Um, but uh Tony, what were your thoughts on this plot and storyline? <laughs> um, well, I just did some grief uh because I was like there were so many movies and shows and books of the time where, yeah, the title was not <laughs> reflective yeah. of the actual content. It was more just as that was their marketing. Um, they just picked on, you know, either a saying or a nice little quip or something that just would catch the ear or eye of, you know, of somebody just passing by. So that's what I always took it as, but reading on about the book, cause this is, movie is based on a play that's based on a book so based on the book yeah so Lorelai is supposed to be the main character the main protagonist and Dorothy as the brunette is just supposed to be sort of like the best friend you know the sidekick character so but Marilyn was definitely in this trend where she was always in these team-up movies you know it was very much an Avengers symbol for like these next few years because she did this one she did uh had a married millionaire with Lauren Bacall and Betty Grable um she did you know uh the prince and the showgirl with Lawrence Olivier so they were always partnering her up with some sort of foil you know or a group of uh, other individuals that would serve as the foil it wasn't until later where they would actually just be like you know we can go ahead and acknowledge the fact that Marilyn Monroe is Marilyn Monroe, because once you do that, you have to pay Marilyn Monroe. Um, And then you also have to deal with the fact that your star is Marilyn Monroe, where depending on what part of her life that she's at, sometimes wasn't always like the easiest relationship to navigate. So um, yeah, I didn't even give the title really much credence. I just thought it was like, well, yeah, they just picked anything that just sort of sounded nice and sounded good. Anything that would look remotely interesting on a marquee is kind of like how I took it. Um, But now knowing what the book is and that it is supposed to be about completely Lorelai, like, yeah, that, I guess I just figured like maybe the people who really love the play are really actually coming to see this movie. But anyways, um, as far as the entire, you know, plot, no one cares. I don't care. <laughs> I'm so not here for the story. I'm not here for the plot. 100% here for the clothes. I'm here for Jane Russell and Marilyn Monroe. They have amazing chemistry. Um, I don't know what their real life uh, relationship and dynamic was, but it would not be difficult for me to believe that they genuinely enjoyed working together. Um, I've seen, you know, some promotional stills, like, you know, their handprints are like some of the most famous handprints that are outside of um now the tcl but the grauman's chinese theater um yeah i mean like it just this is a great fantastic you know just exhibition of just people having amazing chemistry and just existing and i think it's definitely something where we are living in an age of 
lowercase actors where if you give them a script, they can, you know, act their asses off. But if you want a movie star, those are few and far between. I mean, there are very few people that can just stand there and just like dazzle and just be completely magnetic. Um, I can only name like a handful right now that are currently working. Um, Cause that's not who we employ anymore. We like every man. We like people that feel like people that we could know, uh, which is, you know, fine, but it's like, sometimes you want a Chris Hemsworth. Sometimes you want, you know, a Henry Cavill. Um, but that's not the guy, you know, next door. Um, but back then yeah. that's all who we were employing in Hollywood. And if they weren't, you were a character actor or a character actress. So um, I just really like the fact that this is just a really long prolonged excuse to get movie stars together and let them do movie star things. Yes. No, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, especially in this time in Hollywood, everybody was under contract. Marilyn was under contract. Uh, Jane, all of them. Everybody in this movie was under a contract that you have to make so many movies. Or if you were a different studio's actress or actor and they wanted you, they were going to pay you some money. Um, like, for instance, uh, Marilyn, was. this wasn't even supposed to be her actual role. Um, when this movie came out, it was going to be uh, Grable. Uh, you just said it, Tony. Eddie Grable. Eddie Grable, yes, thank you. It was supposed to go to her, but she turned it down because just a couple of years before they had done it on Broadway with Carol Channing and she felt that it should have gone to Ch Carol Channing instead of everybody else. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's fair. But then they brought Marilyn on um, with uh, Jane Russell. And since Marilyn was under contract, Marilyn got paid $500 a week. So she only ended up inevitably making like $17,000 to where Jane Russell made $200,000 for this movie. Um, so it was, it was, it's very interesting. We're going to get into the cast now. Speaking of uh, Jane Russell and Marilyn Monroe and all of them, what did you guys think of this cast? Because obviously storyline, not there, but this casting, I think they did a pretty good job, especially with that little boy, even though kind of awkward situation. I thought that little boy was freaking hilarious, especially the scene where she's stuck in the window and he's the hand and like sticks it out and he's like, stop it. Like, loved it, loved it. What did you guys think of this cast? Tony, we'll start with you on this one. <laughs> I love the cast. I think it's I think it's a fantastic cast, even though um, I think it was Kyle who mentioned that the men do not impress. Who cares? Uh, it could have been any, any breathing dude. Throw him in a suit, put glasses on that one guy. It could have been anybody, frankly. Um, but that's not why we're here. Um, uh, I, when you mentioned that Betty Grable might've taken Lorelai, like, yeah, she's cute. She's blonde and she could have played, you know, gullible and did see all day long, but she has a very like, like a sweet, smart kind of like quality to her. And I just feel like that, that she would really have to exercise some acting chops in order to like fulfill like what Marilyn could just do. I shouldn't say easily because, you know, everyone knows that like the whole like Marilyn Monroe, like persona was, um, was an act that even she would do. So, but, and the little kid, the little kid's amazing. Um, I definitely also didn't bat an eye at the little kid thing because I've seen that trope and maybe it's because it started here. I've seen that, like immediately I thought of um, that ending scene of the princess and the frog when Charlotte is dancing with the little brother, the other little prince. And it's like a seven-year-old who's like dancing on top of her feet because it's the only way that he can reach. Uh -huh. um, 
there's a few movies that do like that or uh temple of doom also did it when billy is like asking about the maharaja and the maharaja is like a 10 year old kid um so i've seen that trope before but yeah that kid is delightful piggy is disgusting um <laughs> he's meant to be <laughs> he's meant to be reprehensible um even though somehow unassuming just being like innocently pervy but it's just like i see you piggy uh lady beekman is exactly as she should be all the character actors are doing mm-hmm. exactly what they need to do um yeah so i had a great great time with this cast good good yeah no you can't like like kyle said they're got, the men are forgettable but you're not watching it for them you're watching it for jane russell and marilyn monroe anyway so um kyle what are your thoughts on this cast so i want to take a second to to shout out Marilyn and to shout out Lorelai for a, for, for a thing because I think Marilyn was the only person who could really give that character the nuance that she had it's like because you guys are saying yeah she's gullible yeah she's this yeah she's this but to me Lorelai was the sort of character that's like well I know exactly who I am I know exactly what I want I know exactly you know where I sit in the universe and everything else but much like you know a male actor she would have um, you know a trigger and her trigger was diamonds and it was just like that's what makes her you know like you know you'd have James Bond and James Bond would be like ah the women or you'd have somebody else they'd be like ah this no for her it was very much diamonds so she really brought a fleshed out character even though she was playing a very gullible ditzy person so I really liked that Monroe brought um like you could really sense that she was giving a performance it wasn't just the you know well, I don't know what I'm doing necessarily for any of this. And so I really enjoyed that. Um, the trope with the kid uh, does not hold up as well. Um, and I think that's why with Princess and a Frog, it sticks to live action because I think it's going to go, or to animated, because I think it's going to go over a lot of people's heads. Uh, live action, I don't think it would hold up as well, especially with younger generate with younger generation like Gen Z. I definitely don't see Gen Z liking that trope very much no disrespect to anyone in the gen z audience i just it, it's very it is a little outdated but that kid was extremely funny i laughed i really laughed um you know the men get a good thumbs up you you were there you did your thing we salute showed you you showed up you made you made your money good job um but and then all the character i mean all, all the character actors were were fabulous it was exactly what you would expect but the really nuanced performances came from monroe and uh russell and um you know everyone else was just kind of kind of built on that it's a buddy cop movie you could put a buddy it's a buddy cop movie with two with two women and the la- i will close with when you guys were talking about how there's no real stars anymore it says something that you know you can think of a lot of men that would be in Monroe's position but you can't think a lot think of a lot of women except for except for her like you can think you like you can think of all the actors and all the actors in the MCU you can think of all the female actors in the MCU um very easily and and you should but the 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 staying power of Monroe is just there and um you know, and they never really gave her the credit where it was due because this is a really fascinating performance. Oh yeah, no, completely agree with you. Like Monroe <laughs> and Russell are are the stars of this movie, and like Tony was saying, there aren't those stars now. Um, I mean, the fifties was a different time in film. Like we had uh, Judy Garland, we had um, what's it called uh, Jane Russell, Marilyn Monroe. We had all of these household names that we still mm-hmm. remember. 
today. Um, yeah, Tony. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to expand on that. And I'm like, what I mean by that, there's not, we don't hire triple threats anymore. There are plenty of triple <laughs> threats out there, but we don't hire them as right. a requirement. You know, we no longer require people to do all the things, you know, and that's why, you know, Marilyn, you know, has a very distinctive voice, but even early on in her career, she was dubbed all the time. Uh, right. She had to be, um, but it was a requirement. Like if you were going to be in a movie, chances are you would have a song somewhere eventually. Yeah. Um, and nowadays, yeah, we're we're hiring people purely on their acting skills. And if they can dance or if they can sing, that's a bonus. Um, but I think it's just by virtue of the fact that people grow up, like if you're starting out as a kid, you're starting out in community theater or high school productions. You know, you're not exactly doing it the way that they used to do it back then, which is like, oh no, you got to like work on everything actively. Like now that you're trying to make it, if you've landed in Hollywood somewhere, you're going to your dance class, you're working with your, with your uh, singing coach, you're taking elocution and posture classes, you're doing all those things. Right. And nowadays it's like, yeah, there's targeted training for specific roles. And there are those who really dive deep into like method and all the things that they might require for a specific role. But we, yeah, we used to pump out these movies ad nauseum. There used to be like 20 of these kinds of movies, like in a couple of months. I mean, and we weren't putting out very many movies per month, you know? Um, but yeah, it's just a different, it was just a different time. You know, Hollywood produced a different kind of star. So. <clears throat> oh yeah, no, definitely Hollywood back then with any of the studios was you're you have somebody on a contract, they're gonna be a workhorse and you're gonna put them in everything and teach them everything. Nowadays people like get still work a lot. There are a lot of actors who work a lot, but also they get like actual vacations and mm. stuff like that. <laughs> and yeah. don't follow from exhaustion. Um like yeah. several of the stars. Uh but Jed, what are your thoughts on uh Marilyn and Russell, Jane Russell and everybody in this movie? I mean, I, I agree across the board, you know, that the women were the stars, the men were set dressing for most part. <clears throat> the little boy was, he was personality plus for sure. Probably okay. someone's nephew, but he was personality plus. Um, when he walked up to the table and he's just like, yep, this is me. I have a tutor and a coach and a whatever, and I'm going to enjoy my meal times. And I was like, ah, I know what you're going to grow into you little smarmy thing. And, and Jane Russell's just like, Hey, how am I doing? And you know, she's, she's making a joke of it at least. Cause it was kind of awkward and weird, but I like the other men at the table were just like, cool, whatever. Um, <laughs> and yeah, just, I liked the, I think the scene where the guys made me laugh the most though, was the courtroom scene, like the judge and the, it was just, it was so absurd. They're like, here, I'll take the tiara. Here's judge. Here's the tiara. You take the tiara. And I'm like, what is there? We're getting into Keystone cop territory here with the, you take it. It's, it's yours. And that whole scene, I was just like, what is happening right now? <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. Cause I left the room, but, um, no, I think it was definitely a vehicle for Marilyn more than anyone to shine in. I mean, diamonds are a girl's best friend. I, I'm like, okay, well, now I want to watch Moulin Rouge and, you know, just sit and watch that number over and over again. Um, Jane Russell is is a force of her own. She's no, she's no Marilyn, but who is? That's not a slight against her because Jane Russell is, in her own right, a wonderful actress and uh, her own triple threat, like, like Tony said. And it was, it was a studio system that grinded people up and spit them out and expected all this work out of them 
for nowhere near the money people get today, right? For, for doing so much less. And, you know, the heart, and, and even Marilyn even has a line in there that I almost feel like she could have ad-libbed, which was a lady never says when her feet hurt. <laughs> and I'm watching her run around and dance in these heels that made uh, my feet hurt watching her. I was like, oh, she probably meant that. <laughs> Cause she's in these high black heels running up and down those stairs and dancing. And I'm like, Oh honey, your feet, that can't be good. So, you know, it's just, they were, they were just consummate stars. They just went out, they sang, they danced, they, they played their roles. They learned their lines and they had probably three more films on their contract to get through. And they showed up for every single one. And then they, the, the people back there were dressing the guys and putting them where they needed to be for them to play off of. I mean, okay. I couldn't, if you put the fiance and the private detective up on the screen right now for me, I, I would have to say, okay, it take the glasses off the fiance. Cause that's the only way I could tell them apart. <laughs> so, I mean, they were fine. They did the job, but yeah, it was all very much just the women were what the movie was that's what the performances were. Everyone else was fine. Oh. You just put, you just get the director goes, all right, we need the men on set. And they just wheel one out and put them yeah. down in front of the women. Oh, no, that's the enjoyable thing about this movie because it does yeah. seem very much like that. It's just like, yeah. okay, we need a guy. I need five on. more, five more over there. Yeah. Thanks, thanks. Okay, try a little bit. Take off your shirt. We're doing the pool scene, which is great because that never and happened. Why were all of their shorts like the same color as their skin? At first, I had to, I was like, what? I was like, are they, na oh no, no. Okay, they're dressed. So <laughs> it's a little nerve wracking. Well, hello. You know, I definitely thought that too. And hi, Kitty. Mine's running around here somewhere. I'm pretty sure if this wasn't up, you'd see him. Um, but I do want to touch base on something that you mentioned, Tony. Um, that in previous films that Marilyn had done that they did dub over her voice. So this movie, actually, they wanted to dub over Marilyn's voice and Russell's voice when they were singing because the studio didn't believe they could do it and didn't sound good. But luckily enough, um, the studio, uh, like the um, voiceover person, Marnie Nixon, actually fought for Marilyn and for Russell to keep their voices in this film. Only time it's ever dubbed over is Diamonds of a Girl's Best Friend when she's singing the no parts, when it's like the operatic. That's the only time. Um, how do you think they did like singing wise? Because this is the first time like either one of them was given the shot to do it. Like, did you enjoy the songs? Do you think they could have been better? Um, we'll start with you on this one, Tony. Yeah, I mean, first off, Marty Nixon, I always love when she pops up because I think she was the only woman working for like that entirety for that entire decade. Um, she famously dubbed uh, Audrey Hepburn in uh, My Fair Lady. Um, she's just was their go to gal and that kind of voice that sort of like Julie Andrews, you know, like voice. Um, that was their that was that was what they deemed as like the only viable option. It wasn't that they would even they were really, really concerned about the variety of voices, which is crazy because it's like not everybody can be Julie Andrews. Not everybody can have a voice like Marty Nixon. And it's OK, as we can see here, when you allow Jane Russell and Meryl Monroe, first off, their voices together. Fantastic. 
I forgot how good they are. And meanwhile, Marilyn does not have like crazy range, like a classically trained, you know, person. She does what she can with her voice. Um, but I think it suits her perfectly well. I mean, it sounds like her. It definitely gets the job done. I think uh, she definitely has done I don't want to say better, but I think her talents are on better display in other films, like her scene uh, in Niagara. Uh, she only has one song in that, which is just a really random one-off song in that entire movie. It's not a musical, uh, but she's breathy and mysterious and it's gorgeous. Um, and she definitely sings in other, you know, she sings that, you know, I want to be loved by you and some like it hot. And it works for her because it's a very breathy. It's the song that Betty Boop would go on to like, or I think Betty Boop originated, not originated, but Betty Boop was famous for that, you know, boop, boop, doops, you know, song. And that's where it comes from. So I think that, they both were very talented singers, but it just kind of goes to show like how different Hollywood was. I mean, we just let anybody sing nowadays. Um, if we can auto-tune you to some extent, um, we will let you go ahead and make an entire film where you are a featured, like in a full musical. We let uh, Russell Crowe go ahead and and and... Do we let that mean they sing throughout that entire Les Mis movie. Um, yeah, we've talked about that. Uh, yeah, we just let people sing nowadays. But back then, sure, you could sing on set, but you might get dubbed later. Now we don't dub anybody. Um, we very much just let that hang out. We do what we can in post, but... Yeah, so I definitely think that uh, the songs are amazing. The songs are awesome. They're very memorable. Um, I forgot how many of the songs that I actually knew or had heard throughout my life. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely enjoy the fact that as an anomaly, that it does allow us to actually experience Marilyn Monroe and Jane Russell and yeah. like actually experiencing them. Yes, yeah, for the first, yeah, that, that, that's why I love this movie too. It's just like, oh, it's actually them. Um, which good job to Marty Nixon. She actually, cause they sang on set anyway, before they got dubbed over, they have to sing on set. She took both of them and cut their songs together and took it to the studio and was just like, look, it sounds great. Let them do it. That's mm -hmm. how she, um, Jen, what were your thoughts on all these songs and for them being able to actually sing for like the first time? Well, I, you said that Marnie was the nose at the beginning of, diamonds and um, it was so obvious <laughs> i was like the song started and i was like what is she doing with her voice right now um because <clears throat> i've been taking singing lessons again it's been a very long time for about six months maybe longer and i was like she sounds real different right now than she has the rest of the movie and I've been singing different types of songs and I don't do that with my voice because that can hurt your voice. And then, so now that makes sense. Thank you. I was going to actually look that up after this, but um, no, I was, that clears up a mystery. No, I, I enjoyed it. Um, Jane Russell, I love her voice because it's very much in the same range as mine. Um, Marilyn has such a, such a buttery, just a, oof, I just want to, wrap myself in her voice it's so warm and I mean Jane's voice is great too but there's just something about listening to Marilyn sing it's like wrapping a fur stole around your shoulders and it's sumptuous I don't know a better word for it I really don't and getting to listen to her diamonds are are a girl's best friend I mean there's so many people have have done it but nobody 
nobody does it like Marilyn. It doesn't matter. And it's just, it's iconic. And Madonna, whatever. Madonna, Nicole Kidman in uh, Moulin Rouge. It's great. It's fun. But there's just something about this version of it. It's it's perfect. I don't know. Except for that beginning part. (laughs) Um, All the songs are great, but that one in particular. Yeah, no, all the songs are great. They have a good time. Kyle, what are your thoughts on these songs and Marilyn's voice and Jane's voice and all, all of that? So I got to give a shout out to this Marnie Nixon individual because I had no idea that she was a woman and that she would um, have fought so hard for these women singing. And the only thing that I can honestly think of is that doing so and insisting that women would have, especially women who were normally dubbed over because the studios all wanted a very specific look and feel because we got to move the box office money. We got to get the money. Um, They wanted a very specific look and feel to have somebody fought that. I would argue that Marilyn being able to sing and people doing this in movies paved the way for a lot of other people in a lot of other avenues, especially women, to make unique choices with voices. And the first thing, honestly, this I might chat might drag me, you guys might drag me, but the first thing, honestly, is if Marilyn were to cut an album today or back then, but today she would probably be up there with like one of those avant-garde singers on TikTok, like Melanie Martinez or something, where it's just a very unique voice and a very unique take. So she'd have all these fans being like, you know, making very strange artwork and stuff out of the things that she did because her voice is just so unique. So she'd be that this era's like, you know, Melanie Martinez or, um, not Adele, maybe, maybe, I don't know, but like insisting and pushing forward uh, solidarity as far as like different voice takes and things can open up a lot of doors to a lot of different people and a lot of different takes on music. So I applaud this, uh, this Marnie individual who I had no idea existed until just now. So yay. Oh yeah, no, she, she definitely, and it's, I think this is, I mean, there's been a couple of times where I'll, uh, Hollywood, but this is one of the bigger times to where a woman fought for other women in the industry mm-hmm. to be able to do what they wanted to do. Um, so we are getting short here, but I do want to bring up, I mean, because you have to, if you're talking about gentlemen prefer blondes, um, diamonds are a girl's best friend. Like that is probably one of the most iconic scenes and songs from a movie. It's been done over and over. Like Jen was saying from Moulin Rouge to Birds of Prey, freaking Looney Tunes has done it. Um, Piggy's done it. Like it's been everywhere. What do you think of like, how iconic Marilyn and the song have become. Like, um, what are your thoughts on all of this? We'll start with you on this one, Jen. Oh, it's just, you could see, just see someone walk out on a stage in a, a pink strapless dress with a big bustle or bow on the back. And you know what's going to happen. You don't even need the guys in tuxedos with the hearts. You know what's going to happen. The diamonds <laughs> dripping off her neck. Oh, um, <clears throat> And she means it like to her, that is, that's, that's her best friend. And I, <laughs> I don't know. It's just the way she sings it. It's like I said, it's like a warm hug. A lot of love it. It's a warm hug. I don't know. It's, it's, she doesn't even want the guys that are coming around her with, I assume those are supposed to be candy in the hearts, you know, like candy boxes of hearts. She's just like, no. Just, just give me the diamonds. She knows what she wants. She's not going to settle. 
She wants those diamonds and, you know, she knows what she offers. And I'm not saying that in a like quid pro quo kind of way, you know, she, she knows what she brings to the table as a person. And it's just, she's not going to settle, but yeah, it's, it is iconic. And it's, it's one of those things where, why wouldn't you want to recreate it and, and somehow honor that, that scene that is just such a piece of Hollywood history, you know, oh, yeah. 70 years later. And like, he's, yeah, Miss Piggy and all, all of them, all of the greats, all of the greats, Miss Piggy and Madonna, <laughs> they've all done it. So it is, it's so iconic. It's such a great scene. And it's, it's right there behind Kyle's head. <laughs> Speaking of Kyle, what are your thoughts on the song and it's like legacy for 70 years that it's become? Um, once again, just reminding that, like, the, in the world where we have so many great female vocalists, I think Marilyn would have been up there with, like, the more unusual ones, <laughs> like, you know, um, like Melanie. I don't know why I keep thinking of her in comparison to Melanie Martinez. I don't know where this is coming from. The Rasp? Probably, mm. probably, or, like, Billie Eilish, just, like, that unusual sort of sound. Um, as far as the singing goes, I think... I, I shall instead take the opposite point and say that for all of the people that have recreated it and not gotten that automat line correct, like, you know, Nicole Kidman, who said pussycat. So as I'm sitting here watching this and singing along, I go, pussycat. And then it's like, uh, the automat. And I'm like, you messed it up for me. And I learned the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> You've betrayed me remake of this iconic scene. So that's that's why I, I mean there's nothing that I can be said that hasn't already been said. So that's my takeaway. How dare you not adapt it correctly and lie to me about pussycats? <laughs> <laughs> I now I have to go back and listen to that because I actually don't think I ever caught that. Uh, Tony, what are your thoughts on this song? And like, do you think anybody's actually lived up to what Marilyn has done? Of course not. No. no. <laughs> Um, I like everybody's take on it, though. I do enjoy it. Um, I, I think it was uh, when you have something that is just so like, in order for it to be like really perfect, it has to be elegant. You don't want to take anything else away. You don't want to add anything more. Um, and that's what it was. It was just elegant. It was an amazing, striking, like the perfect dress. Uh, the perfect hair, the perfect accessories, the long pink gloves, uh, just the right amount of, you know, dancers and the right amount of set dressing. I mean, like this was like a big, you know, huge number. And I think it's where I think it's why the third act is just like between the train station and the jail, because like they blew the entire budget on this on this song is what it felt like. And I was like, that was the right choice because this is fantastic. This is amazing. This is exactly what I showed up for. Um, and it's just I don't want to add anything. I don't want to take anything away. Um, as far as other people, you know, doing their own take on it. Yeah, you can try. You can do it, you know, to some, you know, success. Absolutely. But I think you have to, you have to do something else with it. Because if you just try to make a carbon copy of it, you know, like Madonna, like took the visuals of it, but put an entirely different song. Uh, I think we would all agree a similar song about, you know, this was her material girl video. Yeah. Um, so that fit, you know, and I was like that, but she didn't do anything else to it. It was the same dress, same gloves, same dudes in the suits. And I was like, yeah, don't mess with anything else. You know, you've already done your take on it. Don't do anything else. And the same thing with Moulin Rouge, you know, they were definitely, you know, striking parallels, you know, and invoking those archetypes. And I really, um, 
love that. And especially, and again, with Miss Piggy, like, oh, of course, yes. Miss yeah. Piggy and Marilyn are like the only two that could ever stand next to each other. Um, yeah, so I definitely love uh, that. Um, I wanted to, oh, what was the thing that I wanted to make a statement about? Oh, it's the fact that um, she would go on to do uh, How to Marry a Millionaire, which I think was released in the same year or very close to it. Um, and she plays another girl who's trying to bag, you know, like this, like the, like the title says, she's trying to marry a millionaire. And in that movie, there's this whole lesson where like, spoiler alert, the girls don't get to like, marry a millionaire um or at least Marilyn doesn't and I just loved how this movie like treated it and like treated her like philosophy about like money and security as like something to be rewarded which is progressive because I really don't enjoy when society at large pretends that women just have to like fall into relationships but then she makes the statement like if I was your daughter you would want me to be secure you would want me to be comfortable you would want me to have the nicest best things and that's when you know the guy's like well say they told me you were stupid and like you know she's like honey go over there let me let me and your dad talk and actually like let the grown-ups talk you know so I I really enjoy that this movie has a completely different take on it and it's something that definitely I don't find in a lot of other media even today in 2023 we always have this idea where like we have to just kind of luck into a good situation. Uh, we as like heterosexual women, we have to luck into it. We can't be gold diggers because if we are, we're bad people. Um, okay. Even though other people that aren't heterosexual women can go ahead and like be very vocal about like, well, I want this and I want that and I can have these things. But if you're Scott, like it astounds me that in 1953, that that would have been something that would have been rewarded on screen to go ahead and say like, no, I want a comfortable life. And not only that, she even goes so far as to say like, it's not just his money. He's very sweet to me. I will never be able to find another millionaire as sweet to me as my fiance. And, you know, I think that just kind of gets glossed over because the image of Marilyn being just this ditzy, you know, she had a lot of high profile marriages to a lot of very notable men. So I think Aura has definitely followed her. So for better, for worse. So yeah, I think there's just a lot of things at play here, but um, all of it has been influenced by this very iconic song and dance number. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and well, it's something that you brought up before we get to our like our final thoughts and everything like that uh, about Marilyn. I love that line at the end of the movie where she's like, "I don't want his money, I want your money." I'm just like, <laughs> that's perfect. But yeah. also, have to talk about that Marilyn added one of I think the most one of the smartest lines in this movie towards the end. Um, when she says, I can be smart when it's important, but most men don't like that. Like, mm-hmm. she added that herself for the character to say it. I'm just like, I feel like she let, let her life that way as well. Which is like, I'm going to play stupid. I'm not as stupid as you think I am, but I'm going to yeah. play very stupid so I can get further and further and further. Um, but now we are coming towards the end, guys. Uh, we could talk about this more and more because, I mean, it's Marilyn in this movie. Uh, but I do want to get you guys' final thoughts about this movie. Um really quickly. Uh, We'll start with you on this one, Tony. I mean, this is the movie that I would point to people. I mean, there's only like a handful of others that I could say are like the perfect like 1950s Technicolor like spectacles, like Dancing in the Rain uh, or sorry, Singing in the Rain. A couple of others that are like, you know, right up there as far as like spectacle and budget and movie stars that are still like, you know, relevant to this day. yeah, this is this is just classic. It's iconic. It is classic Hollywood. Um, 
And it's really nice to go back and revisit a movie where you're just like, man, I forget how iconic this is. And for all the reasons, and then having to like go back and like reassess and analyze and break down all of the social and cultural and historic, you know, context that goes into something being truly iconic to the point where it's like emulated and replicated and duplicated, you know, over the years. Um, I didn't get Moulin Rouge. Uh, I don't think I would have gotten Moulin Rouge as much as I did if I hadn't watched this movie prior. Um, I'd be really curious to see, you know, I, I don't think I, uh, because I usually hung around the musical theater crowd, most of the people that watched Moulin Rouge when it came out were very aware of Marilyn and, and you know, the, you know, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend um, uh, number. So it's things like that. And not only that, but even just these, you know, uh, behind you, Eric, are like these iconic, you know, red dresses that they wore. I'm like, I know that image. I've seen it everywhere. I'm into vintage fa fashion. I see it no less than at least like once every two weeks. Um, mm -hmm. It's just incredible. Like the things that we just kind of like forget. And I also just want to give a shout out too, because with the demise of uh, um, uh, TMC, um, not happy about that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, it just sucks that, you know, we're not, um, unless it's that niche interest, I don't think people are really educating themselves about classic films. So I really do appreciate that we're taking this opportunity to kind of like, you know, talk about it now. So yeah, thanks for having me. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jen, what are your final thoughts on this film? I'm glad I revisited it. I probably should have watched it again sooner <clears throat> than I, than I had, but you know, they throw new shiny stuff at us and sometimes we forget to go back and look at these. And it, it would be a shame if this movie was only remembered for one musical number because it's it's a lot more than that. Um, it also would be a shame, you know, I mean, I think it would be great if Marilyn could be remembered for the body of her work and not the things that have been coming out recently to represent her. Like the recent movie with Anna de Armas, who I'm sure did a wonderful job, but I won't watch the movie. Um, you know, and, and like Tony said, people need to go back and revisit these things or we're going to lose something. We're going to lose a big part of Hollywood history and Marilyn is iconic in that. And then one day she's just going to be an image. So I think it is important. And I'm glad also that we, that we did this movie that we talked about this movie tonight and hopefully it'll, it'll spark some people to go back and rewatch it. And, and Jane Russell, I mean, also an icon, just stunning. These women are stunning. And if you just Google them, the way they dressed and carry themselves and live their lives, you know, go back and watch their other movies, their lesser known movies, and just look at, just look at them. <laughs> They're amazing. So um, yeah, I really enjoyed revisiting it, even though it's been a million years, because my kids are old now too. So <laughs> um, it was, it was fun to revisit it. Here's, here's some songs that it felt like for the first time. And then of course, to see gentlemen, uh, the, no. What's the one with the pink dress? Help me out here. Oh, Diamonds uh, are a girl's best friend. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Sorry. Gentlemen are from yesterday. Still, you know, hitting my brain. But um, yeah, no, I'm I'm really glad I did. I enjoyed it a lot. And I'm glad you guys had me. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Kyle, what are your final thoughts on this film? Um, 
I had something really, no, okay, uh, not to, I, I won't, I'm not going to open up a can of worms here. I shall simply say that um, seeing this uh, felt very foundational, and there's a lot of work here that doesn't just build up, um, that doesn't just build up these two actresses, it doesn't just build up these two movies, but there's a lot of uh, bricks and mortar and foundations that build up stories in Hollywood. And one of the things that admittedly was on my mind when I first watched this was Marilyn, was the iconic image, and was how people might want to still use that image and abuse that image. And as the industry moves into different discussions, such as um, that were similar to, okay, well, we're using these people not as stars or people with agency, but we're using these people as, in effect, you know, um, people like stable, like stable people, like, you know, we just have them, we churn out product, we're not treating them like people. And then you look at the current debate in the industry around artificial intelligence, and all I'm going to say about it, because it is a thing, um, you look at the current debate, Marilyn, it feels like would be one of the very first images that people would want to use. And um, that's the, the thing with this is that you can't bring the level of pathos to new material that she did in this. And yeah. I think that that is definitely something that people would need to because her image has been so exploited and not used. And honestly, like I told you guys at the beginning, the, my first real exposure to Marilyn Monroe was those sequin jewel bags that people would sell at little kiosks. And it had Marilyn or like, you know, stuff on T-shirts. And this uh, this woman delivered a genuine performance. And it's like, you know, as we progress to where we're asking, what does an image mean? I think it is prudent to um, keep things like this alive. And I'm very grateful that I was brought in to watch this and that I could, you know, learn and that it just added to my, uh, it added to the debate for me um, and made me more determined than ever to make sure that, you know, images like these are respected. So thank you all for having me. Oh yes, of course, thank you. Thank you so much for actually like, watching it for the first time and enjoying it as much as the rest of us enjoyed it. Cause it's a great movie. Those are my final thoughts on this. It's, it's a great, fantastic movie. Like definitely go see it for everyone in the class, mainly uh, Russell and Monroe. Um, and if you haven't seen any of the classic fifties films, go back and watch those too. Cause they're wonderful, especially um, gentlemen prefer brunettes, which Russell did after this is actually a great movie as well. Um, go and see that. But um, I want to thank you guys for joining us today. Um, but this, we're out of time, unfortunately. But uh, I want you guys to be able to uh, let the people out there know where they can find you. We'll start with you on this one, uh, Kyle. Where can they locate you out there? So um, you can find me on Blue Sky at, at uh, kylepodig.bluesky. Um, just K-Y-L-E, P is in Peter, O is in Oscar, D is in dirt, D is in dog, I is in ice cream, and G is in garden. Um, and you can find me on Blue Sky uh at the moment you know trying to get trying to get that out there and then on tiktok at caroline c-a-r-o-l-i-n-g underscore cosplay um and those right now are my two big things that i'm promoting cool cool well thank you for being here um jen where can everybody out there find you and what you're doing you can find me on Instagram. I'm at do underscore as underscore Peggy says and you can follow my adventures with the avengers the west coast avengers at california avengers also on instagram nice nice well thank you for being here and tony where can they locate you out there uh yeah you guys can find me on all the social media at the tony sanchez it's tony with an i sanchez with a z 
Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you guys all for tuning in. Be sure to join our Discord to keep this conversation going, as well as subscribing to all of our other platforms at NomTalk Network. Um, thank you for joining us for talking about gentlemen and preferred blondes. I'm your host, Eric Ramirez. You can find me on all platforms except for the Twitter app um, at Heartless7. That's H-A-R-T-L, the letters 3-S-S-7. Uh, but thank you for being here. And please tune into our next show, which I believe is going to be the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is very exciting. Um, but until then, everybody out there, have a nomorific day. Bye. <laughs>